Hey good folks, this is Omi Shade from the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. I had a, a younger friend ask me, do you, as a menopausal woman, still experience pleasure? And my answer was, yes. And I hope that that will be the case for the rest of my life. I experience pleasure in so many different ways. Pleasure derived from sensual sexual connections, pleasure derived from adornment or food or music or dance or being around people that I love. And I thought, well, you know what? This is a really interesting question that keeps coming up where people um, are confused or concerned or are getting mixed messages around what sex, sexual expression and pleasure looks like as you're getting older. Is it possible? Is it accessible? Does it change? Things do change. Your body changes, circumstances changing, your relationship to intimacy changes. So I thought, you know what? We need to bring a sexologist on to help us learn about sex, sexual expression, and pleasure. And I could not think of a better person than Goody Howard. Goody Howard is a sex educator and sexologist. Goody Howard brings it to you real and raw around the different ways that we can experience pleasure. Pleasure with ourselves, pleasure with a partner. There are 18 different types of orgasms. I did not know that until I had this conversation with Goody. So this is definitely a mature conversation. We do use mature and strong language in this conversation. So I just want folks to be clear that if you are ready for a raw and honest conversation about sex, sex toys, barriers to sex, challenges, myths around sex and menopause and aging, this is the episode you do not want to miss. My name is Omi Shade Bernie Scott, and this is the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, introducing Goody Howard. Hey, Goody. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm so glad you could join me today for this conversation. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. I was really excited when you said yes. Season three is turning out to be a fantastic me. season. Oh, you already know. I, I knew when we had a conversation, I guess it's been almost a year ago about trying to do some work together that I, I wanted to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much, sis, for saying yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to get started and I'm just going to ask you a few questions because I really want our listeners to get to know you and know more about you. So can you share a little bit about yourself? Tell people your name and where you're from and your pronouns and what is the path that led you to becoming a sex educator or sexologist? Now you got to let me know which do you prefer, sex educator or sexologist? Um, they both fit. I just, I just caution people on calling me a sex therapist, but I am a sexologist and a sex educator. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. There's a big, big difference between those two. <laughs> um, basically, I've always been the freaky friend. You know how that goes. And uh, I love to learn. So when, when people would ask me things, I'd look it up. This is back in the day, like with you know the card catalog and microfiche. Like this is before the internet. Um, so I would look up answers to questions and just kind of always it's like a rabbit hole and so I just started you know doing that and then I started selling sex toys and so I was a pleasure professional I still am and I just kind of realized that they were just trying to move product they weren't really trying to educate or empower so I did more research and got my own sex toy wholesalers and just started doing it like that when I started I was doing like I, I'm not gonna name the company but it's basically like Mary Kay for dildos and so you kind of have to differentiate yourself from the people in the area that are doing what you do. So I would do like little positions, tips and tricks, you know, and little blowjob tips and tri oral sex stuff. And the people are just like, they were like, oh, we will pay for this without the, the sex toys. And so that's when I started fleshing out my workshops and stuff 
my bachelor's is in mm-hmm. business. So I'm always looking for ways to build out businesses and, you know, make money as it were. And then I met this amazing group of women called the Women of Color Sexual Health Network. And it was full mm-hmm. of black identified women of color that were doing this work full time, paying their bills, child, with sexuality work. And so I just started doing the research on how I could make that a thing. And um, I feel like I'm really being blessed. I think the ancestors give me the kind of personality that people immediately kind of either gravitate towards or they don't. There is no in between. And they they feel comfortable talking to me about this this part of their life and and welcoming me into their intimate spaces. And so it has been very the energy that I have and the personality that I've been blessed with is very much supporting what I do. I love that. I love how long have you been in the area of pleasure, sex education, you know, sexual expression and helping folk out? How long have you been doing that? I've been in the game about 15 years. I used to be an accountant during the day and I would do all the pleasure and, and, and sexuality stuff on the side. And then in December, 2016, I had just had my daughter and I was so stressed out about the accounting job that my milk dried up and I was so frustrated and I had been wanting to do sexuality work full time. And my partner was like, fuck that job. And I was like, you're right. So they wouldn't work with my schedule for me to go to get my master's degrees and stuff. And so I quit. So I've been doing this full time since December, 2016. I, I, I love your partner being like, mm, 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 time to go. This job is not going to be you know, stressing you out it. and stressing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Can you, can you say, uh, help me out? Cause I feel like I know, but I, I might not be right. The difference between a sex educator and a sexologist, is it just in terms of language? Are they still the same for me? My lay opinion is that a sexologist is just like knows all the things like they are they are going to a whole nother level of understanding around sexual identity, sexual expression, pleasure, tools, toys, products, all the things. And that's not to say that a sex educator doesn't do those things, but that's what I felt like I was thinking about on a spectrum. And I'm just wondering if you can say for our our listeners, is there a difference or how would you differentiate between a sex educator and a sexologist? I think that's a great question because a lot of people don't know the difference, right? So the difference is minute, but a sexologist is the, you know, ology is the scientific study of. So a sexologist Mm -hmm. loves the science and whole shit of it all, right? We're the ones that conduct the research that sets the groundwork for the curricula that sex educators use. Sexologists do the research that create the frameworks that sex educators use. And so usually sexologists are also sex educators, but not all sex educators are sexologists. Ah, I got it. Uh, And in that same vein, sex therapists, people conflate those three terms all the time. Sex therapy Mm. is actual therapy that's centered on sexuality in some way. I am a master level social worker, so I could do uh, therapy, but direct practice is not my jam. I am very much a macro practice kind of person. I want to impact and uplift as many people as possible at a time. And so I'm not a sex therapist and I don't want anybody to, to confuse me for that because I know some bomb sex therapists that I can refer people to, uh, <laughs> but they mm-hmm. are not me. <laughs> no, that's helpful. That's really important. I, I feel like in the last I don't know, maybe 10 years, I've seen a lot more people moving with the identity of sexologist and sex educator, kind of toggling Mm -hmm. between those two. And it's been really powerful to see the number of Black folk, Black identified folk, whether they're Black women or femmes or non-binary people out here in the world really trying to, to help people like access their own pleasure and also kind of break through some taboos and whatnot, which actually leads me to my next question, Goody, because you know, the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, we are definitely committed to having conversations to help people navigate menopause, to normalize menopause. And to me, yes. a part of normalizing normalizing pleasure and intimacy and sex as you get older. Whew. Yes. <laughs> So I wanted to know if what are some of the things you've encountered as far as questions or experiences for folks who are over 40 and wanting to 
be more intentional around how they access or engage in sexual expression or sexual pleasure? The biggest thing that people come to me about that are over 40 is really around libido. It's around desire. And then it's around like menopause, premenopausal, you know, early menopause and things like that. And how they're like scared of how it's going to impact their pleasure or how it's going to impact, you know, how much sex they can have or all of that. And so I love the fact that I do a whole workshop on sexuality and aging and we talk about how menopause directly impacts sexual function. And so the, when the hormones change, it kind of changes the texture of the skin of the vulva, which may require more stimulation to reach arousal and possibly orgasm, the changes in wetness, the changes in all of that. But those changes are not mandatory parts of menopause. And I think, I think menopause needs a PR person, which is why I was so excited about being on this podcast because <laughs> it doesn't... Not the PR, it, not it the marketing. They do. They need a social media manager because we think menopause is just like, oh, it's over. This is the end. You know what I'm saying? In real life, it's only the end of your cycle. That really means you can have sex all month long and you don't have to endure all the, you know, the BS that comes with you know, if you don't run red lights, you know what I'm saying? If you do run red lights and nothing is changing for you, but if you're not having sex on your period, there are going to be people listening to this conversation are not going to know what you mean by running a red light. So I need you. Okay. So running a red light, break it down. What's running a red light? Running a red light is a euphemism for having sex on your menstrual period. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I just I wanted mean, to make sure people. That's what it is. Oh yeah, no, I feel you. I, you know, <laughs> I think I, uh, I, I overestimate how many people know that phrase, and so I appreciate the, uh, <laughs> the pause on that. But yeah, so that's what it is: is having sex on your period. So if you're not having sex on your period, then you know you got a whole month now. You, you good. And it doesn't change. It's a hormonal change, but it doesn't have to impact your sexual function. And I think media tells us that menopause is the end of sexual pleasure. Menopause is the end of sexual activity and desire. And people tend to just take that and just, okay, and just hold it and sit with it. Whereas people with penises are not having it. They It's 17 different erection support drugs you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For for penises, there's only one for a vagina and I don't trust it. So we don't advocate for ourselves. Once we feel like our, our sex is, is, you know, once menopause starts, we just sit down. Oh, well, I'm an old maid now. This is what I do. I don't have sex anymore. Right. We just take it and accept it. And I wish we had the audacity of mediocre men that we would advocate for our pleasure with our doctors so that we can get more medical support around continued sexual pleasure yeah but the the biggest thing i get like people are scared about how menopause is going to impact their ability to orgasm their wetness etc and really there are holistic natural ways to maintain your vaginal elasticity and wetness and all of that and there are lots of supplements and even external things like it may not be something that you take orally there are uh, suppositories and inserts you are opening up a whole new world of language for some folk who might be listening to the podcast. Okay. So there were a couple that you said, and I want to double back on it. It was you making the distinction between supplements and things that you can take orally that support moisture, lubrication, elasticity, and then things that you can provide externally. Mm-hmm. I, I- I wanted you to to take a moment to make a distinction between the two, maybe give an example of something that people might take that's a supplement. Um, So a supplement would be something like a collagen supplement, or there are, you know, vitamins like that are women-based vitamins that have some hormonal support in them, or um, they have, you know, the vitamins for 50 plus, et cetera. So those vitamins, in addition to a collagen supplement, those are all things that you would eat or consume orally. But then you have Mm -hmm. the things that you can get from your doctor, like the creams that are, you know, applied to the vulva or the Mm -hmm. suppositories that are inserted into the vagina. And so those are, those are unique ways to introduce that kind of support to your body. Oil will tear a condom apart. KY has a product, which I rarely recommend KY products, but 
KY has a product that is similar. It's a suppository as well. And it's a moisture mm-hmm. lubricant kind of suppository. And it is condom safe. Okay. You also use the language of um, bonded if you were... Fluid bonded. Fluid bonded. Can you say what fluid bonded is for folks? Fluid bonded is sexologist speak for hitting it raw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The reason why I'm asking you these questions, Goody, is because I know that there are going to be some folk who listen to this episode who really want to, they're going to have their pins out. Yeah. They're going to be, and they're going to be like, wait, wait, what? And the interesting thing, as you say this, we have a blended family and my eldest sister is 20 years older than me. And a couple of years ago, right when I was about to turn 50 and she was about to turn 70, I asked her about how she was experiencing pleasure. And she was like, what? Because I, what I asked her specifically in my very little sister way, do you miss being touched? Mm. Because as far as I know, my sister's been single for about 15, 20 years. Touched intimately. She said, by whom? I said, by whomever. And she was like, um, I guess. I just don't really think about it. I said, why don't you think you think about it? She's like, I guess I feel like I'm at a place in my life where that's not something I really think about that often. I said, oh, I want you to think about it. And she was like, why do you want me to think about it? I said, because I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you still should be experiencing pleasure and intimacy and touch. Right. Um, I also want you to experience that in a way where you feel safe. And she was like, okay. I said, so at the end of the conversation, I said, what I'm calling for for both of us is more wonderful, consensual, delicious, physical touch and pleasure. And she was like, okay. I said, and mm-hmm. if you need condoms, let me know. She said, why do I need condoms? I said, cause you might not be able to get pregnant, but you can surely get an STD or an STI. Yes. And she was like, I don't have this conversation with my little sister. I don't know why you keep, you just be bringing up stuff, just bringing it up. I think that's, it's so amazing. And I'm, I am the oldest. Well, my dad has a daughter that's a little older than me, so I I do have an older sister, but we're co-oldest, I like to say. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I have a younger sister. We're actually nine months apart. My mom went back for her six weeks checkup pregnant with my sister. Um, so we, mm-hmm. we're the same age for six weeks every year. Uh, but <laughs> And then I have a brother that's 10 years younger than us. And I'm even before I started doing this work, everybody got condoms in their stocking for Christmas. I still am the condom fairy, um, <laughs> but I have, I have, I have adult children too. So I'm the condom fairy for everyone. Mm-hmm. But like with my siblings and my dad specifically, I would like everybody condoms in their stocking. If I wrap you if it's your birthday, I'm gonna wrap your gift and it's gonna be condoms as the bow. Like it's not, <laughs> this is not a game. Mm-hmm. And I think like my, like I said, my dad passed away recently. I still always, I gave him condoms. I gave him sex toys because I think specifically with people with penises, the, the intergenerational relationships, et cetera, that is from a sexologist perspective, that's how STIs get introduced into communities over 50 mm. is, you know, the people with dicks mm-hmm. going in and, and having these young, you know, younger partners and then going back to be with partners their own age. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, when I was talking to my my eldest sister about the whole kind of intimacy thing, they were talking about the pervasiveness of STIs in senior living um, yep. situations. Yes, yeah, those are just co-ed dorms. Yeah, that makes sense. That That's makes- a co-ed dorm. They're just old. They're not, you know what I'm saying? They're not dead. They're just older. Mm-hmm. And I actually teach a training for nursing home staff around how to navigate sexually active residents because there are layers to it. So if they're in assisted living, is there a dementia component? Because at that point they can't give consent. Right. But if there's no dementia component, let them people have that sex and leave them alone. <laughs> are you finding you that? Know what I'm saying? Are you finding that in the nursing homes that they are not wanting sex to happen no matter what the situation is? Yes. Yeah. Cause Nana's not fucking like, no. And then depending on how you got to the nursing home, if your family put you there or you just decided you was tired of paying a mortgage or mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Like you got there. If your children or grandchildren or your conservators 
they're not going to sign off on that kind of approval. Or like, I, I used to think that I needed to do sex ed for like sex ed and pleasure parties for nursing home residents. But I realized that I would have to do so many different layers for capacity. Mm-hmm. Also getting the families to sign off on their resident being able to participate because again, Nana and Pop Pop are not fucking. And then we have an assumption that Nana is straight, right? And so we have these issues. And so I realized that I needed to focus on the staff to create a sex positive space Mm -hmm. for the residents as opposed to training up the residents. Mm -hmm. So now I offer uh, CE credits to nursing staff around navigating sex. So, you know, so, so so the facility will pay for it. Nice, nice. I think this is a whole conversation that people have no idea about around one, sex and pleasure over a certain age, and then sex and pleasure if you're living in a senior center or a retirement community or an assistant. Mm-hmm. Institutional living at all, like yeah. be it incarceration, be it, uh, you know, adult, you know how like adult daycares or, you know, they have like homes for disabled people and people with developmental disabilities and challenges and like all institutional living have sex negative policies and they don't have spaces for the residents to engage in safe sexual health and pleasure practice Mm, mm, mm. that's a whole that's a whole niche for my community my industry in and of itself it is well you know i'm really curious about some of the myths that you have heard around sex and pleasure and intimacy for older people that you want to debunk. So let's do some myth busting okay. right now. Maybe give me your top five or top 10 myths that you heard that somebody said to you and you were like, that is absolutely not true. I need to be out here in these streets busting these myths. Give, <laughs> give it to me. Tell me what you got. Um, the first one is that people assume that, you know, once you hit 50, you're just not having sex anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is incorrect. That is really, really wrong. And, not only this, is it incorrect, a lot of times I'd, go, I'd venture to say that people over 50 are having more sex than 30-year-olds, depending on what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and another nursing home store, my mother is a director of nursing at a nursing home, mm-hmm. and there was a lady there who was performing oral sex on the male residents. She was a resident. She was performing oral sex on the male residents, and they would just give her two cans of Coca-Cola. Okay. And so... The nurses got together and bought her like five cases of Coke. And they were like, look, see, you have soda now. You don't have to suck all this dick, right? And so the lady was like, oh, baby, I do it because I like it. The soda is so they feel like they're doing something for me. I I was going to ask, it sounded like they were making the assumption that she was doing it to get the sodas as opposed to doing it because she enjoyed it. Correct. And I think that is a big assumption about people over 50 is that if they are sexually active, there's some sort of duress or coercion involved instead of, no, this is a choice. And I love how when you were talking about the conversation that you had with your sister, it was about pleasure and not necessarily sex, but pleasure and intimacy and safety. And those are the that increase in value as we get older. Mm-hmm. The body does change and sex, what sex looks like does change, but that doesn't mean that it stops. Right, right. What's what's another myth? And I say, Give me another myth. Once once you hit menopause, you know, you dry up and you can't have sex anymore. And like I said, we would talk about those inserts and those supplements and stuff. And and if you drink in water your whole life and you stay hydrated, you might not even have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, you know, cocktails make your pussy dry. So um <laughs> So oh wait, wait, let's stop right there. Everybody who's listening, because I have a fairly large intergenerational audience. And uh-huh. just did an episode that was the millennial takeover. And Aja Taylor, who was one of the co-hosts who took over, was like, one of the things that my friends and I talk about all the time is that once I get 40 or once I hit menopause, my vagina is going to dry up and it's going to hurt. And it's going to be painful and it's over for me. And I was like, I th- who's telling you this? Right. Are these people who's telling you this my age or people who've gone through menopause or these are your peers? And she said, my peers. I said, well, your peers should probably stay in the lane of the lived experience and not in projecting mm-hmm. what they haven't done before. But you just hit on something that I didn't even think about, which is the uh, impact of alcohol and mm-hmm. caffeine and things like that in drying out your yeah. vagina. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. So hydration 
arousal is blood flow. And if you're properly hydrated, your blood flows through your body more fluidly. Mm -hmm. And so, and also, you know, orgasms are muscle contractions. And if you're properly hydrated, your muscles are at peak function as well. So if you're hydrated, you're going to have better orgasms, stronger orgasms, because your muscles are at peak function, Mm -hmm. your fluidity, your wetness, your sexual response, erection quality, clitoral erection quality and penile erection quality will all be better. Mm -hmm. And that's throughout the lifespan. Mm -hmm. So every time y'all going for these mimosas and this bottomless, you know, these cosmos and all that shit, you pay attention (laughs) because you also need to be hydrating yourself. That's right. That's right. Drink your water. (laughs) Drink your water. Eat your pineapples, y'all. Drink your water. Eat you know what I'm saying? And if you're a squirter, you'll squirt more. And if you're not a squirter, it'll help you become a squirter or connect to that or that type of orgasm. Because every female that was, every woman that was assigned female at birth has the capability of squirting, right? And so looking at the fact that there are over 18 different kinds of orgasm, sex does not end when you hit menopause. It just may change. Ah. The nipples are connected to the same part of the brain as the genitals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all. I hope you are enjoying this latest episode of The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. Before we continue with this episode, I wanted to bring a word from our sponsor. Before I started working with Kendra, I asked them to share more about themselves and their values. And here's what they had to say. We started Kendra with a seemingly simple mission empower people who are experiencing the hormonal changes of menopause to care for their bodies naturally, safely, and holistically. And what does that look like? Plant-powered, estrogen-free essentials that do what they promise. Kendra is science-backed support made by women and tailored to you. And I love hearing all of that because I wouldn't want to partner with anyone or any entity that is not natural, safe, and holistic in their approach. Kendra's line of peri, minnow, and post essentials includes a daily vaginal lotion that has a revolutionary reusable applicator that dramatically relieves vaginal dryness, a sleep-enhancing supplement, an energy-boosting supplement, and a dynamic daily wellness supplement, all thoughtfully designed to target and relieve any of the physical manifestations we have along this menopausal journey that sometimes includes hot flashes, brain fog, and mood swings. Kendra has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers or subscribers, you get 20% off anything you wish. To get 20% off your first order or subscription, go to ourkendra.com slash omi20. That's ourkendra.com slash omi, O-M-I, 20 to get your discount today. You are, you listen, you, th- this is church. This is we, this is the sexology part. <laughs> the sexology part. We're like, welcome to the sexology part of the conversation where you get to <laughs> this amazing body that we have. These amazing bodies yes. we have that are actually made to experience pleasure. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. Are there myths that people have that you feel like are definitely connected to, you know? their upbringing or, you know, whether they are living in the South, born in the South, you know, if there's any Southern pieces of that you might see living in, you know, Texas or whatever. I'm just wondering if that also plays a role in some of the myths you hear around sex and aging. Um, I think that people think if you're older, let's say you're older and you're married and your partner dies. Now, if your partner's dead, then you must not be having any more sex the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a, a myth around that. And dating as a person that's 50 plus or, you know, surviving a partner, finding love again, all of that stuff, we don't even talk about. There is no narrative around that. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest thing I think we talk about, like you said, dried up and all of that. I think that comes from the peer group of millennials because they feel like lube is a commentary on their uh, their sexual prowess, right? Mm-hmm. Lube is a safer sex practice. Mm-hmm. Lube is your friend no matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you are Miss Aquafina, Wapity Wap 2021. <laughs> Lubricant, that shit hit different with the ceiling fan on, okay? Your natural <laughs> wetness is designed to evaporate, sis. So get you some lubricant because it'll create a smoother barrier between you and whoever or whatever you're having sex with. Correct. 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 Okay. And so it's for everybody. It's not just for 50 plus. Lubricant is for everybody. Lubricant is for... Do you have a t-shirt that says that already, Goody? I feel like you got Not that. yet. I feel like you, you <laughs> should have one that, that says... Shirt. I want that shirt. Lubricant is for everybody. Okay. 
So can you make it so it. I can buy it? Because I want to buy it. For I am on it. Okay. That's what's up. Okay. One, one, <laughs> give me one more myth and then I want to move on to another question. Is there any other myth that you were like, I really need people to stop saying this out loud to other people? Um, I think that people think that because they can't have babies, they can't get STIs. Mm. You can actually still get pregnant. It's not a high chance. But you know what I'm saying? You can still get pregnant, but getting pregnant and staying pregnant are two different things, mm-hmm. first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. you still can get a sexually transmitted infection as a sexually active person. Mm-hmm. And so they think, you know, I don't need condoms because I can't get pregnant or I don't need, you know, and I understand that, but it's a very, very dangerous outlook to have. Yeah. 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 I know that there are folk out there who have been doing research around sex you know, throughout people's lifetimes. And, you know, right now there's a big, big sex study that's happening in the University of Kentucky that they're focusing specifically on black folk and they really are trying to run mm-hmm. the of ages. And I'm glad that that, that work is happening. Cause I also feel like there's not enough research out there specifically about our community, our community and older mm-hmm. people in our community and how they're experiencing sexual pleasure, what their sexual expression might be. Cause like you said, Grandma might have been married to granddaddy for 40 years, but grandma might have a girlfriend now. And how are you going to manage your right. understanding of what choices that she's making? Because they're her choices, also his choices or their choices. Right. And so I think it's, it, right. it's an important conversation to have, to be sure, to be sure. I you think know, I think you, one. It's not necessarily a myth, but if you're asking about being Southern, and I think a big part of being Southern is the church and and the Christianity of it all. And I think that there's a big dearth of information around pleasure in the practice of religiosity, mm-hmm. and so we don't talk about pleasure in that vein. So you got the mothers of the church; they're obviously not experiencing pleasure still. You know, we know we asexualize a lot of people in the church, right? So. The mothers of the church, the deacon board, none of these people have experienced pleasure because we're not talking about all of that. Right. But uh, I have a colleague that says, if God made my clitoris, <laughs> right. you know, then we need <laughs> we need to have that conversation. Yeah. And so I think in the South specifically, Black folk don't ever have those talks. And as they get older, they just become obsolete talks mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. I know that Sister Tony Bond Leonard, Dr. Tony Bond Leonard, who's also one of the progenitors of the reproductive justice movement is doing additional research and writing and conversation and education around sexuality and religiosity for Black people. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about this next iteration of work that she's doing because she's a G and I know she's bringing it. So mm. I'm really excited about that. I'm wondering, darling, if you could share more specific products that you would suggest specifically for the menopause crew. I have friends who we talk about whether or not people are masturbating, if they're engaging in sex pleasure, you know, self-pleasuring themselves, if they're using toys and which Mm -hmm. toys they like. And if you were Mm -hmm. to make some recommendations around, you know what, here are a couple of toys that you might want to incorporate either just for yourself or for you and someone else. Are are there some toys that you think, Ooh, If I had to make a recommendation, y'all need to get this one. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think, first of all, we're talking about masturbation and self-pleasure. You need lubricant. Mm -hmm. You need need to wash your hands first, and you need to use lubricant. And I would say use water-based lubricant for masturbation specifically because some lubricants are not sex toy compatible, and you'll Mm -hmm. tear your investment up playing, trying to be, you know, I know we're all naturalistas and things, but coconut oil and sex toys do not mix. Olive oil and sex toys do not mix. Coconut oil, (laughs) olive oil, and sex toys do not what? Mix. Mix. They do not, nor do they mix with condoms. And so I think that's important to note. But water-based lube is the first, I would say, sex accessory that I would suggest. Water-based lubricant is your friend. Even if you're just using your hands, it gives you a smoother glide past the clit, right? Mm -hmm. It gives you, it helps you touch and feel yourself. It reduces friction in a way that you feel yourself differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the first one. The second one, I would say a bullet. And I like this. Uh, it's a bullet called the Frisky Finger. And of course, I have it on my website, but you can find it anywhere. Yeah. Um, the well, Frisky here. Finger. Is- let me let me stop you there. I just want folks to know we are going to put the link to Goody's website in the episode notes. So that way you don't have to be actually out here rooting around trying to find stuff. I'm going to send you directly to her. 
So continue. Yes. Continue. Yes. And I do consults. If you think you want a sex toy and you don't know what you want, I do consults for that. Mm-hmm. And there will be a code BGG2SM. It's 10% off everything on the store. Woo! Say that again, goody! <laughs> oh my God. I'm so excited. BGG2SM. It'll be 10% off everything in the store. Not in that. It doesn't count for classes and such, but that's because of how the website is set up. But any products, mm-hmm. absolutely 10% off with BGG2SM. Thank you. Absolutely. But the Frisky Finger, is a, it's a bullet. It's a wireless bullet, and it has a little silicone textured sleeve on it, and it has a finger loop. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to try to juggle genitals and sex toy. So it's great for stimulating the vulva, the clit. If you have a penis, you could still put the bullet around your finger and stroke your penis with it. You know, hold your balls and stroke your penis with the other hand. Mm-hmm. It's very versatile in that way. Because sex toys don't have an orientation. Um, right. And so once I say like a, a lubricant and a bullet, and then I would say something like uh, a butterfly kiss. And a butterfly kiss is a G-spot toy. So it has a two-inch insertable part, and there's a part of it that stimulates the clit. It's, it's two inches in and up because of the G-spot, the cent- like where the G-spot is located. Mm-hmm. And so it'll help you connect to a G-spot orgasm. It could possibly help you connect to a squirting orgasm. Mm-hmm. If you have a penis and you're good with or- anal pleasure, you can put it in your anus and the clit part will tickle the balls. Like, mm-hmm. again, sex toys do not have an orientation. Mm-hmm. So those are sex toys that I would suggest for anybody at any point in their life. And I say that specifically because I think sometimes we we think about uh, maybe there's a different type of toy or a different type of accessory needed for a certain age group or a certain body size or a certain body type or a certain orientation. And the beauty of sex toys is that they are literally universal. Yeah, I think that's important. I'm glad that you said that. I think it's important because Oftentimes when I've seen people who do pleasure parties or they're talking about sex toys, they they tend to talk specifically to either women or femme identified folk, right? And they're like, this is specifically Mm -hmm. for you, as opposed to saying, you know, sex toys are toys that are available for everyone. And they're available for everyone, no matter how old you are, or, you know, it doesn't matter the age. And so... Um, being able to access that and know what it, what pleasure you're seeking. Like some people are not mm-hmm. familiar with the G spot orgasm and right. the, the different types. You said there's 17 different types of orgasms. I hope people. Yes. Okay. That. Yes. At least, a, at least 18 different kinds. Mm-hmm. And I think the last toy that I would recommend is a wand just because it's great for, if you have limited range of motion or something like that, the wand is a great way to access pleasure. Now I'm going to say really quickly, I can go over, I can tell you the 18 different kinds of orgasms that I have in my head. Ah, you know what? We've got time. Go ahead. Rock out. Make it happen. Okay. So clitoral, anal, vaginal, oral, nipple, mental, blended. You have a cervical orgasm, a frenulum orgasm. You have a pelvic orgasm, A spot, U spot, G spot, P spot, and U spot. You have a... (laughs) I'm sitting, I wish you could see my face. I'm sitting here right now like, wait, wait. Okay, keep going. (laughs) And you have a a birthgasm, a skingasm, sleepgasm, and corgasm. And that's 19. Okay. And we're always finding new ways. Like like I said, the nipples are connected to the same part of the brain as the genitals. When I say an oral orgasm, I'm talking about when you reach orgasm from performing oral sex, not receiving oral sex. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I teach my oral sex workshops, I tell people, if you have not reached orgasm from performing oral sex, your life is incomplete, but I'm here to help. All right. (laughs) And I think oral sex becomes a bigger part as we get older, too. It becomes more important. I'm very much team no mouth, no marriage. But, um, (laughs) you know, I think oral sex and the pleasures that you can find via your mouth are very, very important. And I think that that importance increases as we get older. I would tend to agree with you, Goody. I would tend to agree with you, <laughs> beloved. We're coming towards the end of our conversation, but I want to spend a little bit more time talking about you specifically, honey, and like how has your journey of being a sex educator and a sexologist, you already shared that you already had a, a predisposition and a proclivity around like, I'm the open cousin. I'm the open sibling. I'm the person who's willing to talk. I'm the person who's willing to do the research and get the information. I am, though, wondering the deeper that you've gone into 
your identity as a sex educator and a sexologist, how that's transformed how you experience your own pleasure and as also how that's experience you're experiencing that as you've gotten older. I I don't remember how far apart we are in age, but mm-hmm. I, I know you're a mom and I know that you are partnered and so I'm also wondering how all of these things kind of find their way into your own relationship. Mm. I just turned 41 last month. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right, Aquarius. All right, come on, Aquarius. That's right. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a grown up. I'm a real grown up. Um, but, uh, and my partner will be 50 this year. Okay. And so, right. we, yeah, I needed a grown up. I needed a grown up. That was the issue. Um, and I think, honestly, the biggest thing that I've learned about my own sexuality doing this work is that sex. The act of sex mm-hmm. is not where I root my pleasure. Mm-hmm. I so much more value the intimacy. And I, I, I define intimacy as what happens when you're not having sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I so much more value the intimacy. Sex is great. And, I, and we have amazing, satisfying sex. However, that's not the part where I'm looking at my partner and hearts are coming out of my eyes. Mm-hmm. I really value the connection that we have. And I know as we age, you know, sex changes, you know, the way it happens, the way it occurs and what it looks like changes, but that's not even the biggest part of my dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I value that so much. I feel like sex is easy. What else you got? Mm. You know, yeah. um, doing this work for so long, I experience people in partnerships and romantic partners and things like that because people are curious because of what I do. Mm-hmm. It's less about me and more about their curiosity on what I can do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I love the fact that my partner and I, he values me because of me, my mind and my heart and my spirit and my personality and my work ethic and, and all of that. He, he loves the fact that I'm smart. I'm a nerd, he says. Uh, but I think the sex and stuff is a bonus. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I value. And you know, I say, uh, beauticians don't, if they don't do their own hair, you know, chefs don't like cooking. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not that far gone. However, doing this work has made me realize how much of my pleasure is not rooted in sex. Absolutely. Yeah. I love cuddling with him and laying up. I just like, he'll walk by me and just wiggle my toe. He'll just grab my toe and shake it. And I just like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like it's just that, like, it's not. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that's an overlooked part of companionship. I think you're right. I appreciate you saying that and also helping people kind of see the distinctions. Not, it's not Mm -hmm. one or the other, or one's good and one's bad. It's like, what is the fullest way that we experience pleasure and, mm-hmm. and and giving people a doorway to know that intimacy doesn't always happen with penetration, right? At all. Like I think, like I said, intimacy is what happens when you're not having sex, in my opinion. And for me, I am very much a sensual person mm-hmm. and I define sensuality as experiencing non-sexual pleasure through all five of the senses. Mm-hmm. So when you when you live sensually, you experience pleasure through all five of your senses, non-sexual pleasure. Then when it's time to get sexual, you're experiencing sex through all five of your senses. Exactly. You know, you know what I'm saying? One of my favorite books is Adrian's book, Adrian Marie Brown's Pleasure Activism. And it invites mm-hmm. you to consider not only how you're accessing pleasure, but what's your pleasure practice and how mm-hmm. you might be sharing your pleasure practice with other people or what it looks like for yourself as an individual. And I definitely see myself as a very sensory person. So Mm -hmm. music, food, smells, touch. If somebody scratches my scalp, if they have the gumption to stick their (laughs) in this afro, we go together. I just want to listen. I just want to be clear. If you rub my scalp, we go together. We go together. We go together. I have an afro too. Like I've been natural since before it was cool. Mm -hmm. And and I had a really, really big afro. And I was in Walmart and this man was like, can I touch your hair? And he was, first of all, he was fine. So of course I'm going to say yes, but I was glad that he asked. So I told him yes. And I'm thinking this man is just going to touch my hair, right? This man reached his hand in the back of my head, up the, you know why it curves at the nape and then just kind of gathered all his fingers into a fist. And I was like, sir, you are not going to have me 
bent over in aisle three of this Walmart. Like I would, it was a whole. So when we talk about sensuality, mm-hmm. there's a difference between touching your hair and touching your hair. You feel me? I do. <laughs> I the, one of my running jokes with one of my girlfriends was when we had our first set of locks in the '90s and mm. washing hair either washing your your boo's hair who had locks or your boo washing your hair when you had how yeah sensual it was and when michelle and deggy ocello came out with that song let me run my fingers through your dreadlocks everybody have you heard this song have you heard this video and it was like oh it was it was the best feeling to have an apartment windows open, incense burn, music on, and be washing each other's hair. And all of the scouts? Oh, yes. Talking about that, that level of intimacy, I still seek. It's not, it hasn't been available to me in a couple of years, but I'm still claiming that's available to me. That level of touch and interaction and sweetness. I think, Goody, that's sweetness of that felt so good it's nurturing it's nourishing it's mm-hmm. sensual mm-hmm. it's supportive mm-hmm. it's just it's i don't i don't even think it's no language for it it just I, you know it when you when you get it feel it you can feel it well we're about to round ourselves out so there are two things i want to do one i want to make sure that people know how to find you and two i want to give you an opportunity to make an offering to the guide so what we did the first two seasons of the podcast is at the end of every interview, we asked people if you were going to make an offering to the guide, the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, what would you say? What would be your offering? So I want you to hold that in that beautiful, brilliant brain of yours. And I want you to let people know how to find you. Let us know about your website, how they can find you on social media. So my name is Goody. G-O-O-D-Y. And everybody asks Goody everything, right? So I'm Ask Goody on everything. Mm -hmm. I'm A-S-K-G-O-O-D-Y on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, LinkedIn, (laughs) hell, everywhere. Um, And my website is askgoody.com. I really, because I'm a sexuality professional, I violate all the community standards of every social media platform in existence. So if you're hearing this and you have access to my work and you enjoy something, please share it, copy the link and text it to people if you're concerned about how you'll look sharing sexuality information. But that's how people find out about me is through word of mouth because I can't run ads. I can't promote posts. None of that because of the nature of the work that I do. But yeah, I'm, and I'm asked goody everywhere, like I said, and the code is BGG2SM for 10% off anything, all the products on the website. So I just appreciate the love and support and Absolutely. interest. You know what I'm saying? It's it's amazing to me. I love, I love Black women and I feel like the evolution from competition to collaboration has been visceral and visible for me, specifically for the last maybe six years. I, I feel the same way. I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for this, this move um, to be in kindred um, co- co-conspirator space with each other. I love it. Yes. Yes. So yes. what would you like to offer to the guide? What would be Goody's offering to the guide to surviving menopause? Mm. Don't believe the hype. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't believe that menopause is going to be the end of your sexual and pleasurable and spirit opening journey to discovering your own body and the pleasure that it can provide. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. Don't believe the hype. Goody, thank you so much for joining us today, beloved. It has been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about that part. Like I was like, Oh my God. So I'm really glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, good people, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Goody Howard as much as I did. It was fantastic. I love that Goody not only has gone through the training necessary to be able to provide sex education in the community and to be a sexologist supporting people 
in their journeys with intimacy and pleasure, but that also this was a role that she found herself playing inside of her family and that people trusted her to be able to ask her questions and that she would answer these questions after she had done her research and her homework and she could present it in a way that people could receive it and feel comfortable with. And I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Goody, for your candor. You are such a funny person and I love the energy that you walk with. And also thank you for offering our listeners a discount. So check out the discount code in the episode notes so you can get a discount on sex toys, lubricant, all the things that Goody provides via her website. Her website is also in the episode notes. And I hope that you take advantage of some of the encouragement and suggestions that Goody has made to us around how all of us can either claim our sexual expression or reclaim it or learn or unlearn the ways in which we can experience pleasure as we get older, as we are navigating menopause. To learn more about the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, as always, we have dropped our information in the episode notes. So just check out our website. You can learn more about who we are and why we do the work that we do. If you are interested in providing financial support for the podcast, I will also drop our cash app and Venmo in the episode notes so you can make a one-time gift. Or if you would like to be a sustainer through our Patreon, You can find that information out through our website and click on the information there as well. As always, we are so grateful for all of our listeners who continue to support and affirm the work that we are doing to normalize menopause and aging for Black women, Black femmes, and Black non-binary people. We are so excited to continue to broaden the diversity of narratives and stories that we bring to the space. We want to hear from you. So send us your listener letters. We really do. Send them to decolonizing the crone, that's all one word, at gmail.com and put in the subject line listener letters. What do you want to hear about? What topics would you like for us to explore? What questions do you have for our guest host? We want to hear those questions. And more than anything else, we just want to get your feedback on how we are doing and providing a space that's fun, candid, sacred, and about healing and joy for people who are navigating and experiencing menopause. Thank you so much for listening to us and supporting us. And as always, we'll see you again on the dark side of the moon.